It's the seventh year of the college football playoff, and four is still the magic number, as in four teams make the playoff while everybody else breaks off to play separate bowl games that have no bearing on who wins the national championship. The current playoff contract lasts five more years, but that doesn't necessarily mean we're stuck at four teams until a new deal is signed. According to ESPN's Heather Dinich, for the college football playoff format to change, it would first need support from all 10 FBS conference commissioners and Notre Dame's athletic director. Then any sort of proposal would have to be ultimately agreed upon by the CFP Board of Managers, which is composed of 11 university presidents and chancellors. They have the final say. I bring all of this up because from my perspective, playoff expansion has been talked about more this year than at any time I can remember since the playoff was created. Most notably to me, one of the biggest names in college football media, Fox's Joel Klatt, has finally come around on playoff expansion. Listen to a brief snippet of what he said this week on Colin Cowherd's show. All I'm saying is that for the health of the sport, for teams outside of this very select few, we need, we need to expand the, the opportunity, at least, to define success for those teams. And for that reason, to me, it's not a fix of go to six or go to eight because it's not about arguing for those teams. It's about expanding the incentive structure for the sport. So, Colin, I actually think we need to go to 14 or 16. Oh boy. I think bowl games should probably go away. And, oh. and now we can at least have some semblance that we can define success for a greater number of teams. Joel is absolutely correct, and to me, it's very cool that he's evolved on this issue. I remember just last year around this time, he was adamant that playoff expansion would be bad. I know one of his main gripes is that an expanded playoff would water down the regular season, but he didn't mention that at all this week on Cowherd's show. Perhaps he's changed his mind on that, but I suppose it doesn't really matter either way. At least Joel has recognized to a degree what I've been saying for years. As a college football player, when you begin each season, you should know that your team has a path to a national championship, whether you're Alabama or whether you're Ball State. Expanding to 14 or 16, like Joel mentioned in that clip, would be a fantastic upgrade, but I think we can do better. It's been a while since I've argued for the college football playoff to be like the FCS playoffs on this show, so let me re-up that argument right now. Expand the playoff to 24 teams, just like the FCS playoffs. Ten teams automatically qualify. Those are all the conference champions. Then, 14 at-large teams are selected to fill out the bracket. This exact model could be used for the FBS level as well because, like the FCS, there are ten conferences. So, each conference champion, from the SEC to the Sun Belt, would all get an automatic playoff berth. In this model, legitimately, every single team in FBS football would have a chance to make the college football playoff. Win your conference, you're in. Just think about college basketball. All the 16 and 15 and 14 seeds in the NCAA tournament usually come from very small conferences. Those teams know going into the season they must win their conference if they're going to make the tournament. With a 2014 playoff at the FBS level, that same exact principle would stand for teams like, I don't know, Utah State or Middle Tennessee or all the teams in the Pac-12. I don't anticipate the 2014 playoff structure to come to the FBS level anytime soon or even in my lifetime, to be honest. I realize it's a pipe dream.
even though it shouldn't be considering that exact model is being used in the league that's just one step down from the FBS. But at least influential people like Joel Klatt are arguing for a bigger playoff now. That's a start. And just for fun, I put together what a 2014 playoff would look like this season. I used the final college football playoff rankings to seed the top eight and also to fill in the 14 at-large teams. Here are the 10 conference champs that would automatically qualify for the playoffs. Clemson out of the ACC, Ohio State out of the Big Ten, OU in the Big 12, Alabama out of the SEC, Oregon out of the Pac-12, Cincinnati out of the AAC, Coastal Carolina out of the Sun Belt, San Jose State from the Mountain West, UAB from Conference USA, and Ball State out of the MAC. Now the 14 at-large teams based on the college football playoff rankings. Three teams out of the ACC, Notre Dame, North Carolina, Miami. Three teams out of the Big Ten, Indiana, Northwestern, and Iowa. Two teams out of the Big 12, Iowa State and Texas. Three teams out of the SEC, Texas A&M, Florida, and Georgia. One team out of the Pac-12, USC. One team out of the Sun Belt, Louisiana. And one independent, BYU. The top eight seeds all get a bye to the second round. The top eight, based on the college football playoff rankings, would be number one, Alabama, number two, Clemson, three, Ohio State, four, Notre Dame, five, Texas A&M, six, OU, seven, Florida, eight, Cincinnati. And finally, here's what the first round playoff matchups would look like. Number 12, Coastal Carolina against number 21, San Jose State. The winner playing Alabama. Number nine, Georgia against number 24, UAB. The winner playing Cincinnati. Number 15, Iowa, against number 18, Miami. The winner of that game playing Notre Dame. Number 16, BYU, against number 17, USC. The winner playing Texas A&M. 14, Northwestern, against number 19, Louisiana. The winner playing Clemson. Number 10, Iowa State, against number 23, Ball State. The winner against Florida. Number 13, North Carolina, against number 20, Texas, the winner against Ohio State. And number 11, Indiana, against number 22, Oregon, the winner of that game playing Oklahoma. That would be a phenomenal three, four, five weeks of football, however long that tournament would take. Hopefully, we get a version of that system in the near future. I'm Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. There's Grissom, and he's into the end zone. He lost his shoe after losing a defender. Taking it all the way back to January the 8th, 2009. Jermaine Gresham was awesome, but the result of the game was not. Florida beats Oklahoma 24-14 in the national championship. First time the teams had ever played. They're meeting again here in a few days, playing in the Cotton Bowl. What's up, everybody? Hope you all had a very Merry Christmas. Time to talk a little bit of football. We've gotten a lot of great feedback with ratings and reviews in iTunes over the last month. We also got a lot of three-word reviews from you all after Oklahoma's Big 12 championship win over Iowa State last week. We'll read some of those today since we didn't get to them on our last episode. And if you'd like to follow Grant on Twitter, 
He's at Grant Benson 25. I am at Lee Benson News 9, the number 9. We've got a Facebook page for the show as well. Just search for West of Everest on Facebook, and you will definitely find it. If you like the page, you can stay up to date with everything going on with the show. Today, we're in a bit of a time crunch. Grant and I are actually in the same state, but we're doing a remote podcast because I've got to do this uh, this episode and then head off to work. And Grant, tomorrow, I think you said you're hitting the road for some post Christmas traveling. So everyone's kind of going in different directions. Oh, am I supposed to talk there? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to Colorado tomorrow on Sunday. So that'll be pretty fun. We're going to go, we're going to go chill in the mountains for a few days. Uh, last thing to do, uh, in 2020, oh. we're hoping to kind of, kind of end the, uh, in, in the year on a, on a high note, just kind of hanging out in the mountains. Okay. So this is kind of uh, all coming together quickly. Um, it's likely to be our final podcast before Wednesday's Cotton Bowl because Grant will be on the road. Uh, definitely going to be our final show together. I'm Personally, I'm kicking around the idea of maybe doing a solo episode on Monday or Tuesday in case I get to watch a little more Florida, get some more intel that I don't have right now, and I have some new takeaways that I'd like to share with all of you. But uh, that's to be determined at this point. We'll see when we get there. Uh, full disclosure, I have not watched a whole lot of Florida at all up to this point. I know Grant has watched a little bit more than I have. I have a decent idea of what this Florida team is, and I'll share which matchups I think should be most interesting and uh, maybe the most consequential matchups for this upcoming Cotton Bowl. I think Grant might have some more crystallized thoughts on the game than I do at this time, uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. We haven't really talked much about our thoughts on the game amongst each other yet. So here's the plan. We're going to talk a little bit about the Cotton Bowl right now. Then later on in the show, we're going to uh, get into some three-word reviews that we can highlight from the Big 12 championship game. Uh, I'm not going to get to all of them today because we don't have unlimited time like we normally do for these podcasts, but uh, for those of you who like three-word reviews, stick around to the end. We'll hit on some of those, plus we'll get to more of our Big 12 title game thoughts that probably uh, are thoughts that come out of those three-word reviews that maybe we forgot to talk about after we recorded the last episode, which was the Sunday after the Big 12 title. And so with that, let's talk Oklahoma, Florida. And I want to start uh, with this, Grant, the fact that the Cotton Bowl, we're recording this Saturday afternoon, early, early afternoon on Saturday, and the Cotton Bowl is four days away, and Oklahoma won the Big 12 title just one week ago today as we record. So, Grant, do you prefer the normal long layoff before big-time bowl games or this current 2020 setup? Do you like that there's not a whole lot of time from the Big 12 championship to the Cotton Bowl? The 2020 setup is by far the best thing ever. Um, I'm actually hoping that's maybe one of the uh, the permanent things that the that the COVID season sort of brings us is that I hope that we 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 do. I, ho I hope the conference championship games are like two weeks later than they are now. Um, I hate the layoff between bowl games. I, I don't think it even makes a whole lot of sense. I think it. I, I think the season loses momentum because of the layoff. Um, and I think it's just way better for them to just go straight into it. Uh, this is great. Like I, it has. I mean, it doesn't. It's not. Even, it's basically just going to feel like one full game week that you're waiting for the game. And I, I just, I think that's right. I think that gives teams, you know, less time to prepare, which I like. I, I think it should be more. I think you should try to mimic the regular season as much as possible. Like I, I, I like this stuff. I, I think it's, I think it's good. I think it's good for consumers. I think it's probably better for the programs as well. Um, it just, it's, it, it just works a lot better in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And you mentioned they should try to mimic the regular season. And I get what you're saying there. I, I, I will amend that a little bit and, and probably add to it in a way. 
I think they should try to mimic what the NFL does. The NFL regular season ends in week 17. If you make the playoffs and you don't get a bye, you play the next week. It's just like another regular season game. If you do get a bye, you earn a bye. You get that week off to, to rest up, and obviously you move on to uh, the second round of the playoffs. And in this scenario, it's essentially the regular season ended, or I mean, I guess the championship game. I mean, that's still technically the regular season in a, in a way. Oh, well, I guess no, it's not. It's the regular season, then there's the conference championship game. But anyways, it's essentially a week and some change from that, and then you have a playoff game, which in this sense, it's the bowl game, but if it was the NFL, it's essentially a playoff game, and that is a lot better for, I think, everybody involved, except for maybe there's some some players and coaches that would probably disagree, because as, as I, I think more about it, I think the long bowl layoff is definitely designed for the players and the coaches. It, it has no, It has nothing to do with the fans of the sport because think about what normally happens in between that time off there's the Heisman Trophy ceremony that's a whole thing for a week they they take care of that um, now we have this December signing period that's relatively new in the last three four years coaches focus on that they do the signing stuff by the time teams really start preparing I think for the big games it's a couple of weeks have gone by and then they finally start pre- preparing for it I know you throw in finals and stuff from school there but I think this season this year has proved that that doesn't matter. It, they don't care about that. They just have used that in the past as an excuse. I mean, they're doing everything this year. The Big 12 title game was late December, probably around finals week. You got Christmas this past week. That That's not a thing. That, that doesn't matter. So I, I think in the past, it's only been for coaches, players. Plus, I know the coaches and the players, mainly the players, they like to go down to these bowl destinations. There's events going on every year that they – they do every single day leading up to the bowl games that who knows? I mean, I'm sure they think is fun. You and I like whatever, like we're maybe if you're on the team, you think it's fun, but that doesn't happen this year because everything's been canceled. So they're going down to the games like the day before the game. So it's, it's a, it's legitimately a business trip. It's you prepare for the game. That's what the reward is. And uh, real quick, Florida, after the SEC title game last week, they have not been on the practice field since then. Uh, today we're recording this on Saturday is the day I believe they're supposed to get back and actually hit the practice field for the first time so Florida's preparation for Oklahoma is going to be incredibly brief for OU they did practice a couple of days and then Lincoln Riley cut them loose before Christmas Eve so Oklahoma was off Christmas Eve off Christmas Day the Sooners I believe are supposed to get back to practice today on Saturday the 26th so both teams not a lot of preparation for this game Oklahoma technically maybe a little bit more and and I think that's pretty interesting in a way it's it's like who's going to be able simply to execute better you might think I mean there's might not be a whole lot of x's and o's like look breaking down you know here and there I'm sure there's always gonna be something but this game could legitimately just come down to who plays better (laughs) I mean because there's not going to be a whole lot of preparation at least compared to a a normal uh, a normal new year's six bull prep yeah I mean also too it's um you could also make the argument, you know, we already know that Kyle Pitts is going to be out for Florida. So, I mean, that's that's less time that they're going to have him, you know, you know, they're going to have to come up with some sort of game plan. Right. Uh, and I, I suppose he's he's been out a few games this year already. So it's not like they're they're going to be kind of like a fish out of water without him. But um, no, I mean, I, I think it's interesting. Like I, I, you know, the whole the long layoff between the national championship games and the playoffs and stuff. That's a pretty well-worn subject for OU fans. I think 2008 probably being like the biggest gripe that we've all had, you know, on there, you know, after that, the offense, they scored 60 straight points. Was it five straight games in the season? And then I, they, they didn't play for six weeks after that. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that was, that was silly. So, um, 
don't know, maybe anything that like, maybe there's kind of a compromise here where, you know, it's we can find something in the middle that works for everybody because you bring up a good a good point there with especially with the new kind of like early signing period and and all of that. Like I know I'm sure this year it was just crazy them having to do the early signing period during game week of the Big 12 championship, I'm sure it was just interesting. And so maybe this this is, you know, we, we, we take this season as maybe an example where we learn a lot of things and uh, maybe there's some sort of middle ground we can find there that, that works for everybody. But I don't know, like I, I'm, it's going to be hard to go back to a, like a five or six week break again after experiencing this just nine day break between games. Um, you know, it's, this is nice. This is really nice. Like I, I love that we haven't had to wait a long time, it, and it it feels like the game is imminent and it's it's coming soon. Whereas it's like it kind of feels like in the past you win the Big Twelve championship and then it's like okay now it's time to breathe for a month. And um, I don't I, I don't really like that. I, I don't I'm not a huge fan of 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 the buildup of of the game and it just like feeling like it's far off and then just oh all of a sudden it's here. Um, you know I just it it, it totally kind of betrays I feel like what football is a lot of the time. Um, which is sort of a, uh, it's, it's a marathon and it's about, um, I, I think it's kind of, you know, you should sort of have to have to operate with, with what you have at the end of the season and kind of where you are. So I don't know. We'll see. I agree. It, I agree. I, I don't, I, Every, it's, it's not going to change. I, I assume next year it'll go back to how it always was. Um, you know, and, and, and I'm sure I know you, you talked about it in your opening take with, you know, the playoff format and stuff like that. Maybe this is the year that that you know spurs a lot of change, but I, I, I kind of take a cynical approach to this. I, I don't. I, I think we're gonna we're gonna be seeing more of the same here, uh, at least for another three or four years. And you, I don't blame you for for feeling cynical when it comes to college football and the way they do the bowl system and the playoff, because for years and years and years they have uh, changed it at an incredibly slow pace. And the fact you think back to before the bcs just real quick here i mean i and the idea of picking a national champion based on polls is the dumbest thing i've ever heard and i cannot believe that was just an accepted thing for years and years and years and years everyone was like yeah okay cool whatever like we're all going to play on new year's day or whatever and then we're going to just vote at the end and that's who the national championships that is that is insane to me that it took as long as it did to get to a BCS system, which obviously was an upgrade over that because at least there was a game that determined a national champion, but it only was two teams and there was no playoff system. And then it took them, I think the BCS lasted for 16 years, I believe. And it took them 16 years to get to, oh, let's add an extra game to that. And now we're in the seventh year of a quote unquote playoff. It's not really a playoff. It's a plus one. So question, you know, how long is it going to take for them to add another extra game or for what I want, a bunch of extra games. And so that's why I think you being cynical is totally fair because it's just been the most, the most snails-paced thing ever in college football And because it seems like the people in charge just don't seem to really – they don't seem to really care. Uh, I do. They, they I, I kind of want to – you brought up the, you know, the, the days before this, the BCS when, when it was all just about poll. You know, th- that's how you picked the national championship was the AP poll, essentially. Um, I, I, I just I, I want to add just like a little extra context to that because you're right it, that that does sound ridiculous and it's it's given where we are right now it's kind of hard to believe that that they did that for I mean like half a century at least longer than that um, like 75 years they did that so but I, I do want to add that it's like it until recently until the BCS 
the national champion was never like crowning a national champion was never the you know the primary objective of a college football season. I think college football, you know, in the past was usually set up with the acknowledgement that there's lots of regional differences. Uh, there's not there's not necessarily an entire governing body doing this, and that maybe picking a national champion is maybe is is not particularly easy. Um, I don't know. I think I, I think I think the further and further we get away from that, it's much more. That's that's a much more difficult point to argue. Um, because, but I don't know. There there definitely is something wrong um, with everything. Like I, it, it 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 seems like the point of the college basketball season is not to crown a national champion. Um, it seems like the point of the college basketball season is to get to the the large tournament. And so I, I think we're in a weird sort of situation right now where obviously the playoff and those four teams that are in it have completely overshadowed everything. Um, I don't have any numbers to suggest this or TV range or anything like that, but just anybody who has been around for a long time and, and maybe cut their teeth with college football for the first time in the early 2000s, maybe late 90s, like you and I did, Lee, the bowl games in the mid-2000s, you know, that entire first decade in the late 90s were just a much bigger deal than they are now. And I don't, I don't know how else you can, you can explain that other than it, it's the playoff and ESPN's focus and, and by extension the rest of the college football media's focus on those four teams has just crowded out everything else. And there's just there's so much oxygen being spent up with that that people just don't really care about the other bowl games. And, and like you're, you're seeing that kind of you know filter down into the, the rank and file and the rosters as well. You're seeing way more opt-outs, people not playing in the bowl games. And it's because I think that you know that care level um, or the lack of care is being communicated by kind of like the you know the highest highs of college football. And um, I think that was kind of a point that Joel Klatt was making uh, this past week saying that just the, the playoff and the committee in, in ESPN has basically devalued everything else because so much oxygen is spent on that. And like, I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a genius. I don't have an answer for everything. I, I, you know, I, I don't know for sure that's the singular reason, but I mean, you would agree with that, right? Just there has been a massive shift, at least in the last decade where those, those extra bowl games, I mean, even the new year six, the other quote unquote BCS games outside the playoff, nobody cares about those anymore. And I, 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 I still remember a world where, you know, this was the last year of the BCS when OU was in that Sugar Bowl against Alabama. And, you know, everyone thought that OU was going to get murdered in that game, but that was still an important game. That was still a big deal. People cared about that. And I, I don't necessarily feel that anymore. Just compare it to this year. Nobody cares about Iowa State and Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl. Whereas I feel like if this was 15 years ago in 2005, I feel like people would actually care about that. Um, yeah, there's and, a lot of stuff there. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff there, and and I agree with most of it. Um, I, I, real quick at the the, the last thing, the, the last point you're making. Um, I think it depends on who you are, the fan base. I, I, like, I think overall your point is like, oh, does not just college football fans really care about these games, and that's the most important thing, right? But uh, Iowa State fans, this is an incredibly important game. Obviously, I think this is the biggest bowl game Iowa State's been in. Maybe I, I'm not an expert on Iowa State, but probably ever. I don't think they've been to a New Year's Six bowl game since we've been since we've been following college football. So they're going to think it's a big deal. Uh, for, for us who do an Oklahoma podcast, Oklahoma, Florida, and the Cotton Bowl, that's a big deal because Oklahoma continues to get to the Big 12 title game, whatever, they're supposed to win it, and then they make the playoff, and those are always obviously big games. But the reason why it's a big deal now against Florida is because Oklahoma still is trying to prove itself. 
Uh, for well, Florida, it's probably not going to. Yeah. It's, it's a, for Florida. Florida wanted to be in the playoff this year, so you can make the argument like, yeah, they're going to care about this game, but they're not going to care about it probably as much as OU because Oklahoma has for years been trying to get away from that idea that the defense is terrible. They just got embarrassed last year by LSU, got beat by five touchdowns. So it's for the Oklahoma fan base. This is still a really important, cool game. I think. Uh, uh yeah. So I mean, let me. I, I just want to push back a little bit, and like, of course, like I think it's an important game, and I'm excited for the game. But I, I don't know to pretend that this game has the same juice that that 2006 Fiesta Bowl against Boise State had is just false. It just doesn't. There's, there's, it doesn't, it doesn't feel as important. It, it feels much, much more like an exhibition game than it ever has. Um, when did that to, the why are you using that game as an example? Because that was always a game where it was a lose lose for Oklahoma. They were going up against Boise State. They, nah, if they beat I, them. They're supposed to. If they nah, lost, com- they were going to be embarrassed. No, that's that's not that. I that's that's. I just I don't, I don't agree with that at all. That was that was not right. Boise Boise was a better was a better team. Like they, they they were better in like every analytic thing. They were ranked higher. They like it was like I I I understand that was the narrative in the media then that this is like this is Boise against like these big bad OU guys. But that Boise State team was better than 2006 Oklahoma. And like it's you I I you know I were they I. Yeah, I mean they they had to they had to go into the bag of tricks and do everything possible and get to miraculously beat Oklahoma that year. Uh, yeah, I mean no, I mean like you're forgetting that Boise State was was leading that game by double digits the entire game. They the very first play of like the very first play of the game was a I formation play action bomb that OU just got burned on. Like it wasn't. I mean Oklahoma. I mean, I mean OU was favored by more than a touchdown in the game. Like I, I OU mean, had. Yeah, yeah, they were, but still at the same. Like Paul Thompson was their starting quarterback. Uh, you know, they still. Like, yeah, I'm but I mean, think, I, I don't know. I, I just don't. I mean, I don't remember a whole lot from that game, honestly. Yeah, the whole like I, I don't. Uh, that's a narrative I don't really buy into at all. The lose lose stuff, and you know, not wanting to play. Um, teams like that again i was like i would have been i'd be much more juiced about a game with cincinnati this year than i would against florida i'd be much more excited about that um yeah i just Man, yeah I, for whatever reason i like i'm excited for this game I'm, I'm i'm interested as as a college football fan because i think there's like there's some really interesting styles at play here and i think kyle trask is really good and i'm excited to see ou's defensive line against florida's offense uh but i don't know this game has nowhere near the same amount of juice as a bcs game would have you know last decade or you know in the mid 2000s and I'm, I'm just speaking for myself here and also i mean okay. it's just yeah, the, the landscape is different too people don't the rest of the country doesn't care about this game as much as they used to it's because right and, and and I, I, yeah I, I agree with that yeah. and, and you know I, I i do think a lot of that is just because the playoff has sucked up all the oxygen that's the only thing that's talked about by espn everything is filtered through that lens right and and Which, i understand it i, I totally understand it um, but I think if, if, if that's what they're going to do, then there needs to be some, you know, there needs to be some reformation. We need to, we need to reform some things, uh, because like I, I, it's, it's not as fun. These bowl games this year, like it, it, there is no luster. These games are nowhere near as fun as they used to be. They're just not. Well, I mean, how much of this too is just you getting you, you growing up and maybe as a kid, you remember it being a lot more fun. Cause when you're a maybe. kid, everything's a lot more fun. I, Maybe, I think that I'm, factors I'm, in a lot as well, too. Yeah, but I'm also I'm not the only one making these arguments, though. I mean, these are these the people in the media are saying these bowl games are devalued. It's like the, the bowl games, and this is an argument I've been yeah, making for they, a couple years now. But well, they've always kind of been devalued. Ever I mean, even in the BCS, they were technically devalued because they didn't they didn't 
this tournament a national champion. And you mentioned the college basketball thing a while, like a little bit ago, and I was going to bring that up. I mean, this is all the logical conclusion of slowly, you know, expanding a playoff because we're all humans, and in every other playoff system ever, teams want to win a national championship. And whether before. You know, for how seventy-five years, if if you know the whole idea of like, oh, in, in college football, for whatever reason, people's minds weren't uh, going into the year to win a national championship. I mean, some teams did, obviously, the, the bigger ones. But if if everybody was kind of like, for the most part, that wasn't the main goal. Okay, great. That to me, that's very unusual, considering that again, every other playoff setup, you go into a season wanting to win a national title. In college basketball, yeah, you're going, you're getting to the, the, the NCAA tournament, but technically everybody in college basketball can win it all because they can make yeah, the tournament. But like, actually, let's, let's kind of unpack this a little more, though, because, I mean, overall in college basketball, right, the most important part of March Madness is definitely not who wins the tournament. In fact, I, I would say a lot of people don't really care who wins the tournament. March Madness is just all about the event, right? It's all about sure. the smorgasbord of games, and maybe in the maybe in the heyday of the bowl system, that's what it was about. It was the heyday. That's of what the it's games. about for for the, us, for fans, and for like yeah, and, and fans and stuff. But for the players, even though like people that play for Monmouth, they know they're not going to win the national championship. It's kind of cool knowing that you can make the tournament, and if you get hot, you could technically upset somebody. And who know who knows? Who knows? It's very unlikely, but the fact that it's possible. For, for for an athlete, for a college athlete, I know if I was in their shoes, I would think that, even though you know deep down it's not going to happen. And that's the difference between college basketball and college football. You don't have that opportunity. And that's why it's it needs to happen. It needs to happen for college football teams and programs and players. And it doesn't exist right now. And slowly over time with people opting out and realizing that, oh, these games don't matter, that's that's the human being in everybody. It's not surprising I at guess- all. Yeah, from where from where I am right now, we, we we live in an era right now where where Alabama and Clemson are dominating the sport, and and their dominance of the sport right now is unprecedented. It, this really hasn't happened, uh, like two programs like this just kind of trading dominance back and back like this. Um, you know, of course, there's been eras like in decades where certain like Florida State dominated the '90s, you know, et cetera. It's you know stuff like that. USC dominated the early part of the 2000s. Um, but I mean, this is, this is kind of unprecedented with, with, with these two teams sort of just trading dominance and killing everybody. And I, I, I think the lesson here is the the sport does need to be made less about who the national champion is at the end of the season. And, but I, I think the way that you do that now in this era, because the playoffs not going to go away, we're not going to, we're not going to go back to the old bowl system and all that stuff. I think the best way to do this is, and you know, of course you've talked is to expand the playoff and to make it more about the event and actually bringing more teams to the table so that they are part of the event, and it doesn't feel just like uh, you know the college football invitational. I know a lot of people have called it, and understandably why. It really, I mean, it it really is the same programs every year. You know, Oklahoma is the only program that that's not in it this year that's in it every year. Um, so, what what do you do to expand that so everybody kind of feels like they're part of the fun? And, and I think that's what it, college football should be. Sh- at the end of the day, should be about fun. It should be about the the funnest possible um, uh, scenario and, and and system that you can possibly create, and um, I you know I, I I think eventually Lee I I think your twenty fourteen playoff idea if you would have asked me this a year ago two years ago uh, and I said it on this podcast you're crazy it's never going to happen I think this year is 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 evidence especially now that there's a chorus of people in the in the media whose whose minds have been changed about this and who are saying that we got to expand we got to expand. I think your 2014 playoff, ideally, I think that might happen someday. I really think it might. 
because everyone knows what's going to happen. As soon as they go to eight teams, it's going to be awesome and people are going to love it and they're just going to say, we got to get more teams in this. Um, because yeah, it's a, I, yeah, I think yeah, this is a lot better than it was before, but it could be even better. That's what they're because what people like uh, people just like college football. They like we we and yeah. it's a well worn subject on this show. They like the you know they like the tradition. They like the atmosphere. They like the pageantry, and you can have all of that stuff cranked up to eleven in a college football playoff with a lot of different people in it. Um, and, and you know, I God, that would be fun, and that and that would be a smorgasbord of games that you could get excited about too. They'd be they and these would all be great teams. They would be conference champions. And yep. um you know I I just think that it would be so much fun. That'd be fun. And now like I, I don't want to spend too much time on it because the 24 teamer thing is not imminent at all. Like I, I I'm the, I'm I'm um I'm a guy for intermittent change. I will take change whenever I can get in this regard. So if, if for for right now if 6 is all we can get, then I'm just like cool, let's do 6. If 8 is all we can do, then let's do eight for now, and then let's reevaluate after a few years. But um, one of the things that this year I hope really, uh, one of the things that this year I hope teaches everybody is that uh, the the scheduling is can be a lot more flexible and doesn't need to be as rigid. Um, and you can like people want to see fun games between good programs, and I think this year maybe will will, will make people realize that that is a lot more possible in the future. Who says no to good football? Like one of our biggest complaints, Lee, about the bowl system, right, is that the matchups suck. Right. You know, and and yeah, I mean, like, who so, wants to watch Iowa versus Missouri? Like, so what? You know, like that's so not every, a thing. But like, like if, if there was a big playoff, then there would be really interesting and unique matchups again between a bunch of good teams. So I think right now, yeah. and and college football is unfortunately, it's like until something changes, it's always going to be like this. There is tons of federalism in college football. There are conferences and programs because because there is not a, a large governing body for college football that do things based on their own interests. And right now, it's like whether or not you know we want to admit it at all. And I'm just I'm using this as a, as an excuse. The SEC, their interests right now align with a 14 playoff. That's an easier way for them to win a national championship. And that's the same for a lot of for for a lot of those big program conferences as well. Like Clemson right now, dominating the ACC and getting to the playoff every year, this setup is awesome for them. They have no incentive to change at all. And so I think that, that that's that's the thing right now that is stopping the change is that there are just so many incentives and there's so everyone kind of has their own has their own interests that they're going to work for. And until all of those interests align, or until somebody has has the right argument to kind of bring all of this together. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I, I I think we may be in this four teamer for a while, really until you know somebody can can come up with a you know negotiate a good deal or anything like that. So these conferences make money. I mean that's kind of I don't know. It's 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 tough. It, it's a tough deal. I just okay. want more. I just want more okay. fun, good matchups, and I desperately yeah. desperately want playoff games on home campuses. Desperately. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's talk OU Florida. Uh, so the, the let's start with the matchup between Oklahoma's offense and Florida's defense. And my my biggest question in this, and, and I haven't watched a lot of Florida in depth. Uh, I, I think the the easy question is so like Florida's offense all season long has been maligned. It's it, they gave a bunch of points to Alabama. Florida's yeah, defense. Everyone gives up. Everyone gives up a bunch of points to Alabama, but they also gave up a bunch of points to some other kind of suspect SEC teams. So the question is: Is Florida's defense as bad as the numbers and the point totals suggest? Do you have any thoughts on that? Because at this point, my 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 gut is that no, they're they're not as bad as 
the numbers suggest, because they probably so, have a lot of really talented players. Here's where here's like where I want to go into here because we've had these we've had these talks about you know what what separates good defenses from really good defenses from elite defenses. And so I think a lot of the times you have to look at numbers and whatnot. And, you know, the the numbers lead don't, like, especially the analytic numbers, which I like, I don't really paint a super rosy picture for Florida's defense. Um, the the um, Where they're the best, what metric kind of um, gives sort of, like, the, the most rosy interpretation of Florida's defense is SP+. Florida's defense is 31st in the country per SP+. But if you actually dig into the numbers a little bit, there's some stuff there that OU is gonna is definitely gonna like about their defense. So when you go to SP Plus Lee, Florida is 67th in the country in rushing success rate allowed, and they're 69th in the country in passing success rate allowed. Which means, um, and and teams aren't like getting a ton of explosive plays on them, but they are below average in the country when it comes to teams getting successful plays against them. Um, Kind of in, in comparison, teams like Iowa State and Oklahoma State were in the top 10 in both of those, rushing and passing success rate when OU was going into the game, and OU struggled. Uh, in, in terms of stuff like this, like Florida is more akin to kind of like a like Texas's defense than they would be, and I'm talking like a statistical profile, than they are compared to, you know, um, Iowa State or Oklahoma State. I, I, I think Oklahoma absolutely has played better defenses than Florida this season. Hmm. Okay. Like that's that, the, it's the, the success rate stuff is, is something that I like a lot. I, I, that, that's just a, a really simple stat there. And those are not good numbers for Florida in that regard. They, they don't give up a ton of big plays, but when, when teams are able to have success against them at that rate, uh, that's something that definitely catches my eye. And, and OU's defense is, is much better in that regard. As, as comparison, OU is 16th in the country and rushing success rate allowed, and they're 12th in passing success rate allowed. So, um, I don't know. That tells me that uh, OU, which is, is a pretty good def- a pretty good offense, I, they may have a lot more success against Florida than maybe you're thinking. But, yeah, in, until I kind of dug into the numbers, my, my thought was I, I'm Florida's, Florida's defense is probably a lot better than people are saying it is. Uh, but when you go between the numbers, they, they might be kind of in, in for a rough day. So um, my con- contributions for this podcast, uh, at least statistically, is going to be from Pro Football Focus because I just recently subscribed because I-, I like Pro Football Focus and it's bowl season. And I was just very curious on how they're ranking and, and how they grade out Oklahoma a lot of the ways and other teams. And I'm looking at both Florida and Oklahoma on defense this year. And I- I'm doing this off the cuff, so I, I don't have like an overall grade, but um, Florida defensively, I'm looking at every single game they've played and, and what they've been graded at defensively as a team. And when I look at Florida compared to Oklahoma as a team overall, uh, Oklahoma definitely has more games with higher grades than Florida's defense. Um, for example, first game of the year, Florida played Ole Miss. They were, in, they were at 54 uh, overall grade. Let's see, they had one, two, three, four, five games this year where Florida's defense overall was graded in the 50s. And Oklahoma, this entire season, has only one game that is graded. Uh, actually, it wasn't even in the 50s. Uh, the first Iowa State game, Oklahoma's defense was graded at, at, at 48. <laughs> so that was by far Oklahoma's worst defensive game, according to Pro Football Focus. Yeah, Aside that was from a that, game where they missed a, lot of, missed a lot of tackles. And 
Yeah, a yes. lot of stuff that and Pro Football Focus loves that stat. They they take track of that quite a bit. Uh, but other than that, Oklahoma was not in the fifties at all uh, all season long. And so uh, I know SP Plus takes into account opponent and and everything. Uh, Pro Football Focus just grades game to game. So it, the logical follow up is just how much of this is based, how much of Oklahoma's defensive stats, SP Pro Football Focus has been aided by the fact that the Big Twelve, as we've talked about all season long offensively is not very good this year and on the sec front i mean florida's in alabama are the two best offenses so florida's defense didn't get to face their own offense obviously but they faced alabama got got uh blown up a lot um i think arkansas scored a decent amount of points on them earlier in the year i know that uh lsu scored a lot of points on them uh which was kind of surprising i know i know and, and, and lsu won the game Looking at the, I mean, Arkansas put 35, Georgia put up 28, and that's when Stetson Bennett, I think, was still playing quarterback for Georgia. I know. Did you watch some of that game? Yeah, I watched that entire game. Um, And and then A&M put up 41 on them. Yeah, Florida's defense is, it's, they're, I think they're capable of shutting down limited offenses, but if you can attack them in multiple ways, they struggle. Um, And so, I I mean, I think OU, this game, it's going to come down to how well their offensive line plays, I think is going to be the big, because I, I think where if OU is able to run the ball in this game, uh, this is a game that they can, that they can obviously win. And I think that's, that, that's going to be their key on offense is, is to get Ramondre Stevenson going. Um, because that's kind of where, because like I said, uh, Florida 67th in rushing success rate. And that's kind of where OU on offense is not great this year. They're 45th in rushing success rate. OU's offense is. So if OU can kind of, can can lean on Florida in that regard uh, because I think that's where Florida's defense has the biggest maybe advantage over OU is maybe trying to is trying to shut down that run game and, and and force OU into third and long which is where they've struggled in these last two games against Baylor and Iowa State that's what Baylor and Iowa State has been have been able to do with a lot of effectiveness um, but if they can get Ramondre going um, you know that that looks really good because Florida you know 69th in the country in passing success rate and OU is 16th. Uh, an offense in that and so that's something that they could be able to exploit and when I see when I see uh, uh, you know a passing success rate for Florida's defense at 69 but also them not giving up a lot of big plays that tells me that maybe pre-snap they give a lot of stuff to offenses if if they're willing to take it Um, and that's just going to be you know like and you've sort of disagreed with this but I think that has been Spencer Rattler's biggest problem this season is that sometimes he just does not take what the defense gives him um, this is a type of game where he's go- he's going to have to do that for OU. Uh, I've, I've watched a little bit of the LSU game, and the reason why I picked that game first is because Kyle Pitts didn't play in that game, and so I've, I wanted to see Florida's offense without Kyle Pitts because he's not going to play in this game. I haven't, I haven't been able to gather too many thoughts from that game yet. I'm only in the first half still, but I have noticed that Florida's, Florida's defense does play a lot of soft coverage every once in a while, but they do have some good corners, I believe. So, I mean, they, they – I, I can't yeah, tell I guess, how much man they play compared to how much zone they play. I do think they play a, probably a lot more man than uh, – well, they certainly play a lot more man than the team that Oklahoma just faced in Iowa State. Uh, I mean, you can't – I'm sure the defensive styles are, are going to be completely different between really the last two teams Oklahoma's played, Bay, Baylor and Iowa State, the way they, they play, which I think is significant for this game. We can kind of talk about that moving forward, but did you have something else you wanted to add? Yeah, you know, I another thing that we can talk about too is, you know, how much is – you know. How much did the familiarity of Oklahoma from Baylor and Iowa State play into them, you know, having success on defense as well? And will Florida struggle with that? I mean, OU throws a lot of different looks at you. 
a lot of different stuff with eye candy and stuff like that. Is Florida going to be prepared for something like that if they haven't faced this brand of Oklahoma before? Maybe. I don't know. Um, but another thing I wanted to point out is when I when I was watching Florida Lee, it's when I was watching their defense, I was it, it never struck me that, oh, wow, this defense is bad and OU is going to have a field day. It never I never really got that sense. But also at the same time, nobody on their defense really jumped out to me like, oh, God, that guy's a problem. And, oh, you really needs to account for that guy. Um, I, I think I think they're just kind of like an average power five defense or maybe an average defense in the SEC. They clearly are going to have some skill and some talent. Um, but when I, when I was watching them, I, I just I was never blown away by any singular player that they had. Well, uh, I mean, again, I just have watched a little bit of this LSU game and uh, immediately number one defensive end, Britton Cox, looks like he could be a problem, especially rushing off uh, the left end and Adrian Ely trying to bend and move with him. That that could be an issue. Uh, and also looking at the pro football focus grades, uh, they have a corner named Kair Elam, number five, I believe, and he has a very high. Uh, those are the two highest graded players from Florida. So. Uh, I guess I could look at Oklahoma to see, you know, what, what their highest grades are. But yeah, I, I, maybe I mean, that's they, they're, they're they're going to have some talented players. I mean, it would make sense if their if their best defensive player like is, is a is a corner, maybe then it would make sense why you know if he's good, that means he's probably not not being thrown to a lot, which would which would make sense that I know nothing really jumps out. So um, you know, we'll, we'll see. The, I don't know. That's I, I still it, look at that that passing success rate, and that's telling me that there are yards to get through the air against these guys. That being said, on the Oklahoma side, you look at their overall grades this year defensively. Obviously, Ronnie Perkins hasn't played a full season, but Perkins is their is the highest graded OU player. He's over ninety right now. That's that's really good. Perkins, uh, Benito's right behind him. Benito's at eighty nine. Isaiah Thomas at eighty six overall this year. Uh, you get to the next one, Trey Norwood's at seventy six. <laughs> Uh, he hasn't played many snaps, but hey, Robert Barnes is at 74 overall right now in very limited action, so good for Robert Barnes. But as far as starters go, I mean, the top four is Perkins, Benito, Thomas, and Norwood, and all of those guys, with the exception of Norwood, Norwood's grade is very similar to Brenton Cox and Kair Elam's grade. So Florida doesn't have any defensive players that are even at 80 overall. So what does that mean? Uh, to me, somebody that likes pro football focus, that actually means that what you said might have a little bit of validity because they don't have even in a year where they're statistically not that great. They don't have a one person that apparently is just lighting it up. Like, for example, last year, I'm sure Ronnie Perkins's grade was probably pretty high. I, I, I would bet it was probably in the 80s. Uh, I guess I could look it up. I, maybe when you talk, I will. But uh, it is kind of interesting that Oklahoma does have three players that are uh, – one guy that's in the 90s and two guys that are in the high 80s and Florida didn't have anybody in the 80s again how much do you put how much stock do you put into pro football focus that's up to not you. a whole I, lot I like it for me okay I, so I there you go a whole I, lot of stock in it I actually put quite a bit I, I think it's really interesting so uh that again that's that's my contribution from this podcast I do think it's kind of interesting that Florida does not have any defensive players that uh are in the 80 grade range yeah I don't you know I don't I, I don't think Florida's defense is bad by any stretch of the imagination I think it's I think it's an average defense, maybe slightly above average relative to the rest of college football. Um, this is a game, you know, this is a defense where if OU plays well on offense, they they should be able to score a fairly large amount of points. Um, but also, I mean, this this OU offense is, I think they've arguably put up maybe their two worst games of the season back to back. So, um, so let's talk about that. And 
my thought process, a, a big reason why I think that's happened is because I think the two teams they've played, uh, Baylor, that's, that's bizarre, but I think Dave Aranda clearly has some sort of idea how to defend Oklahoma's offense pretty well. And obviously Iowa State's familiarity with OU over the years, and Iowa State's done pretty well against Oklahoma relative to the rest of the Big 12. The big question for me is I'm super curious to see how the last two defenses Oklahoma's played, their, their styles, I think, are going to be pretty different than what we're going to see with Florida, I believe. I'm going to guess Florida plays a lot more man than normal, which makes me think just generically, you know, a team that played a lot of man this year that came in with pretty high marks was Oklahoma State. And, and Oklahoma, for a lot of that game, had no problem with Oklahoma State. Sure, the Cowboys kind of figured it out a little bit, I think, in the third quarter or so, and Oklahoma struggled a bit. Uh, and, and it was good that Oklahoma's defense was able to keep the Cowboys down and, and keep that margin where it was. Uh, but I, I do look forward to watching this Florida defense because it's not Iowa State's defense. And I, I think Iowa State's defense is a lot better than you think it is. Uh, I, I'm not going to argue that Iowa State's got better players than Florida because you look at the recruiting rankings – it's it's not going to be the same thing. I mean, but you know, you throw like Florida's guys into Iowa State system. I think, I mean, uh, that, that would be I'm, you know, that would be pretty. I'm, I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that Mike Rose would be Florida's best defensive player. That's interesting. Yeah, it, that's. I mean, that, that's a whole other debate. I don't, don't want to get into that right now. But I I just I like the idea of Iowa State and how familiar they were with Oklahoma and how well they play team defense. And that that was really hard for Oklahoma to figure out. Uh, I mean, they they did at times, but then Iowa State adjusted. And Oklahoma, they, they, they couldn't – nothing they call was right. Now, going up against a different kind of defense in Florida that overall probably not as good as Iowa State as far as team defense and, and giving Oklahoma problems, I'm, I'm Overall talent, and, Florida's – yeah, Florida has more overall talent than Iowa State does. But, I mean, schematically, I'm curious to see if this is more – more along the lines of a team that Spencer Rattler and Lincoln Riley will be able to have more answers for, especially as the game goes on. Because, you know, when the game begins, it seems like Riley is scripted pretty well. And But as, as the game has gone on, and certain, especially think back to the Rose Bowl, uh, you know, second half of that, where they, they could not figure out anything against Georgia's defense. You know, the in-game adjustments, the in-game changes will be pretty interesting, I think, and, and to see if, if Oklahoma's offense can get off the mat and and you know, get to thirty points for the first time in a couple of games, which which is kind of weird to think about. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it's going to start up front. You know, if I mean, if they're winning up front, their offense is probably going to score a lot of points in this game. Because if because if you're winning up front, that means Ramondre Stevenson is eating, and that means the defense has to has to dedicate more guys to the box for Ramondre Stevenson, and then it opens up Marvin Mims and Jaden Hazelwood potentially, and you know, all, all the other pass catchers as well. So and hopefully you know, Austin I mean, Stogner, even though I'm not, he's not going to play, uh, I'm not confident. Um, and, okay, so the last thing on the Oklahoma offense, Florida defense matchup, I just figured we could mention because uh, the Florida linebacker, uh, Houston, I think mean, Chris Houston, I think his name, the, the one guy that said some bulletin board material type stuff. I, he said as, that it's about as weak T as bulletin board material gets, but um, it's something at least. Yeah, he said Oklahoma's not on uh, Florida's level. Um, so I mean, it's. The only thing I, I think some other people have brought this up already this week. We're just we're kind of late to the party, but uh, coming off of the Big Twelve title game when Oklahoma's defensive players didn't get uh, really many many uh, awards and honors for the Big Twelve, which was ridiculous. Uh, they noticed it and played pretty well against Iowa State. Uh, but I mean, they're going to have to show up. It's up to them to make this guy eat his words. Uh, they can't just you know use the motivation and then that will obviously equal domination. Uh, so that's always the caveat I put in with these. Uh, these people that talk trash because remember last year a couple of LSU guys I believe 
kind of said a little some disparaging comments and then they beat the crap out of Oklahoma. So uh, it's still up to the Sooners to actually prepare and make this guy feel dumb after the game that he said that. Yeah, you know, I guess, yeah, the only thing to say to that is, you know, I I feel pretty comfortable where, you know, with what OU is bringing into this game on the defensive line. And, you know, you can, you can talk about SEC, Big 12 all you want, uh, but it's still, you know, you still got to block OU's guys up front. And I'm... I'm OU is bringing five or six NFL guys up front that Florida is going to have to block. And I, there's just not a lot of programs right now that are able to replicate that. Um, so we'll, we'll see. I don't know. Like I, that, that comment didn't get me gassed up as, 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 as much as other people, but uh, man, I, I hope Florida is coming into this game thinking that OU is just is slow and, and that they're going to, and that Florida is going to do what LSU did to them last year, because you know, that's, that's silly, but I, I, I doubt that that is actually what a majority of them think in the building. You just got to watch. You got to watch tape, and they're going to realize that those, that those, you know, that Thomas Perkins, Winfrey, those guys, those guys are dudes, and that they're going to really have their work cut out for him. But this guy's on the defensive side of the ball, so maybe it's just it's different for him. Yeah, and my mistake. Anybody who's listening to this podcast, that's a huge Florida Gator fan I I missed the uh, I missed the guy's name I said Chris Houston it's James Houston my mistake and just uh, in case for some reason you were under a rock or really into Christmas this week and didn't didn't either hear or read what uh, Houston said he said quote Oklahoma is a good matchup but they're not on our level they're not SEC they're not the Florida Gators so we should put on a good show end quote so and you know that was about all that came out of media day and if you actually heard the soundbite or watched the video of him saying it it just it didn't really come off as as like hot fire as you know as the quote does. He no, just, he, he was, was honest, he was just being honest. He's That's just kind he, he was. It, it seemed like he was just sort of in a casual conversation. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. he wasn't like ringing the bell or anything. It was just yeah. So I I don't know though. It's 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 still fun. Like stuff like this kind of lets you know that you're in a bowl game. So um, I I think it's more fun than anything. I I don't think it was particularly disrespectful, but. I do expect Oklahoma to probably use it. Probably. Yeah. Uh, let's flip the script over to the Oklahoma defense and the Florida offense. And, I mean, this might be the most interesting the matchup of the game. Matchup of the game. Uh, okay, so let's start with this, Grant. How good is Kyle Trask? Uh, and also, how do you think he compares to the other quarterbacks this year that Oklahoma has played so far? So, Trask is, is by far the best quarterback they've they've faced this year um you just look at his stats you know that you know it, but when you actually watch him I, I just I, I'm really impressed by him I think he's a really good college player so I was we were, we were kind of talking in terms of like ability his physical profile he reminds me a lot of a guy of of Will Greer from West Virginia and also you know former Florida quarterback as well except he is he's a much more accurate passer than Greer was and he's got a lot more touch on his deep ball than Greer ever did. So whenever I watch Trask, he, do, he does not blow me away with physical ability. He doesn't have a ton of zip on his throws. I don't think he has the strongest arm in the world. But damn, he, I mean, he understands what the defense is trying to do. He is, he's rarely confused. And the touch that he puts on his deep ball is legitimately special. It's, it's legitimately special. He drops the ball in the bucket fairly often. If a guy is open, he's going to hit him. And, you know, I, I think... Now, I, I'm not sure what Kyle Trask is going is, is gonna to translate as an NFL player, but as far as like a pure college passer goes, he's, he's about as good as it gets. I think, he, I think he's really good. I'm really impressed when I watch him. 
So, again, I, I want to watch more of Florida to have more of an opinion on Kyle Trask. The, the little bit I've seen just in general over the last couple of years watching him and then a little bit of this LSU game I'm watching. Uh, physically, to me, I, uh, I, I, you, when, you, when you say Will Greer, do you just mean kind of like the way he – like his mannerisms or the way he looks? Because physically, to me, quarterback – like he kind of looks like uh, Jake Fromm, but, with, but a much better passer. Like he looks like he, he's he's kind of he doesn't really move that well. Uh, Fromm doesn't, but like big six five. That's what I meant by Greer. Big six five. I think they have very similar arm strength, physical ability. I think the thing that sets them apart the most is that Trask is a much more is a much more nuanced thrower, more more advanced probably than than Greer ever was in college. Um, and I, I think he has more touch and accuracy than Greer is. But in terms of like their physical makeup. I think Greer and Trask are really similar as as athletes. I mean, Trask got three inches on Greer. I mean, Greer was a kind of a little guy, so I, I don't I don't see that at all. With, Interesting. With that. Okay. So that's the, um, like I to me, he looks like a big like I I just I'm getting flashbacks to watching the Rose Bowl and just seeing big old Jake Fromm back there, just kind he of is, being I, a game I think manager. He is, he is just much better than Jake Fromm. I, I don't. Kyle Trask is not a game manager. Like I, I would say, like he's. Hot he, take. Put put Jake Fromm in this Florida offense, man. Maybe he throws for all these yards too. Maybe huh? maybe a better Jake, maybe a better Jake maybe, Fromm played for Georgia. It was a bad no. offense. Maybe <laughs> a, a better comparison. Offense. Maybe a better comparison in terms of college players is like Graham Harrell is a good comparison for him. You know, I, I don't. He's because he he kind of he kind of feels like a classic air raid quarterback, but he I, I feel like he kind of understands what the defense is trying to do more so. Like it's when you watch him. You're, like I said, you're not blown away by his physical ability, but he still gets the job done. And so, like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to kind of toe the line by saying, yeah, you don't. When you watch him, it's not like you're scared to death that he's going to run around and he's going to make a ton of NFL throws. It's more so. It's like if the defense isn't completely, if they don't have their their crap together, and they and and they give Kyle Trask a lot of easy throws, he's gonna take them. And also, and yeah. also, whenever. Whenever Florida does have a guy open downfield, it's really unlikely that he's going to miss him. Sure, yeah, and again, I I look to watch more Florida to get more uh, high level, in depth thoughts on on Trask, and just watch out for that. I mean, he just they they love the wheel route, big. I mean, they run so many wheel routes, um, like out of the backfield, uh, from the slot with Tony, they do it all the time, and just his touch on those throws, dropping it in the bucket, is really impressive. OU's corners are, are, are going to OU's corners and their linebackers covering guys out of the backfield are, are really going to have to have their head on a swivel. I, I mean, it's um, he he like he's precise. I, I think he can really make you pay with just small mistakes. Uh, and yes, uh, it's it's not hard to figure out that this is obviously going to be the best quarterback they've seen and obviously the best offense because all, but at the again, same time, long, at the same uh, time, I feel like his physical limitations do kind of suggest that if OU is able to get consistent pressure, he may wilt a little bit under that pressure. Uh, I, I don't anticipate him wilting, but here's... Yeah, here's wilting what is maybe give, not the best word. Here's what gives me a little bit of uh, promise. Well, one, Kyle Pitts is not playing, which, I, again, I'm going to finish watching this LSU game. I know that they offensively did pretty well in this game without Kyle Pitts, but again, that's against LSU. LSU was down their top three corners can you imagine if Oklahoma was down their top three corners they're already gonna be down Trey Brown if like Trey Brown 
Jaden Davis and Woody Washington all couldn't play <laughs> against Florida. I mean, it would even when the, the defense has played really well. Uh, honestly, I'd feel a lot better than I did going into last year's game, just because they've just overall played better this year. But still, that would be that would be a disaster area. Um, what, what was the point I was getting to? Oh, uh, so yeah, Kyle Pitts not playing is obviously very helpful for Oklahoma's side because he's been one of the best players in college football. <coughs> Excuse me, but uh, what? The difference between Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Trask, and the other "quote unquote" top quarterbacks Oklahoma's faced this year, which is just Brock Purdy and Sam Ellinger, essentially, both of those players have a running element. Trask doesn't. He he doesn't move. You you can tell at least in this LSU game early on. They got down to the goal line a couple of times. They they really don't want to run him. They kind of struggled moving the ball and running it down by the goal line. They were doing some RPO stuff. They did even like a Tim Tebow esque jump pass once finally after about four or five snaps in two different possessions because they got they got stopped on fourth down on their first drive against LSU and then the second drive they got down inside the five yard line finally they ran quarterback power and it kind of looked like they're like fine we're gonna run him and he scored a touchdown but he doesn't move a whole lot from what I can see and the the top quarterbacks Oklahoma's face look think back to the big 12 title game Oklahoma would have had a heck of a lot more sacks of Brock Purdy if he couldn't move they were in his face a lot. So the question is, how good is Florida's offensive line? I don't know that yet. I haven't watched enough tape. But if it's, I mean, Florida's offensive line, for what I know, Grant, I don't think it's up for the Moore Award. Was it? Maybe it was. I don't know. I guess it was. No, I, you know, here's. Uh, I, Iowa State's was. If, if Kyle Trask can't move that well, that makes me very interested in the way Oklahoma can, can, can get after the passer in this game. So I, I, I would say there's – I watched three games. I watched, I watched Florida-Georgia, Florida-LSU, and then Florida-Alabama. Um, Georgia got pretty consistent pressure on Trask. Um, the only difference there was, you know, there were, there were guys open downfield that he was able to hit a lot of the time, and they had Kyle Pitts in that game too. Um, the pressure on Trask against LSU and Alabama was much less consistent. Um, and I saw better pockets from him to throw to – or from to throw from, so I'm not exactly sure. the 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 reading that I've done on Florida's offensive line is that they're more about their unit and and not really about any individual player. So they don't really have any like individual studs that you can point to, and it's more just about being experienced and being a unit. And that tells me I I love to hear that. I you know, because the one thing that would that would sort of scare me is that Florida has a bunch of studs on their offensive line because typically only studs can block studs. Um. OU has four or five studs on their defensive line, and if if Florida is gonna is 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 gonna you know have success on their offensive line because of a unit and stuff like that, you know nothing better you know breaks up a unit and 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 throws a wrench into plans than an NFL defensive lineman. Uh, so I you know we're gonna see like my 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 opinion right now is that I think OU can probably get pretty consistent pressure on Trask in this game because just frankly they've gotten consistent pressure on everybody this year um and just and ever since ronnie perkins has come back it's been it's been you know twofold so i think it's going to be interesting to find out i think there's going to be times obviously where florida is successful and 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 trask has a clean pocket and he's able to take his shots uh but i i I think it's a pretty darn good bet uh that that ou's defensive line getting pressure on trask is going to be one of the themes of this game well, I mean, if, if that's the case, Oklahoma's going to win the football game. I mean, if, if they can get consistent pressure on them, they're just they're they're going to win the game. I mean, I, and, but you could say that for literally any football game because I mean, you you mentioned earlier if they control it up front offensively, 
They're going to have success. Yeah, you could say that for every single football game. And if they get pressure on the quarterback, they're going to probably win the game too. But, I mean, the question is, will they be able to do it? Um, as far as Florida goes, we mentioned Pitts is not going to play. Uh, this year, Pitts has uh, 43 catches, 770 yards, and 12 touchdowns. So minus Pitts, they're still going to have Kadarius Toney who was uh, an electric, electric wide receiver. He's really good. Tavon He's Austin t- would be his best, I think, comparison. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, and tra- is it is it Trayvon or Trevon Grimes? Trevon Grimes other- is he's, – he's good. He is good. He is better than any receiver that Iowa State has. Yeah, so they still have guys that uh, Trask will be able to throw to. Grimes has nine touchdowns, and I'm sure – even though they don't have much time to prep for this bowl game, they'll probably have a couple other random guys that can that can jump in. I mean, uh, Kamari Gamble is their backup tight end. He's not used a whole lot, but he has three touchdowns, so probably a red zone type player. And running back wise, they don't run the ball a whole lot. Uh, it's Pierce, Damian Pierce is their top rusher, but he only has 443 yards running. Uh, and so it's Oklahoma's been good against the run. Uh, hopefully, they can continue to stop the run pretty well against. Florida and I had one more thing I wanted to touch on oh uh, we talked about getting pressure and secondary uh, Trey Brown Trey Brown opts out he's going to prepare for the NFL draft so the last thing on this matchup is uh, no Trey Brown that means that we're going to probably see what Woody Washington Jaden Davis and DJ Graham I mean those would be the three guys we see who gets the most snaps you probably easy bet is Woody Washington plays the most snaps and then maybe Graham and, and Davis kind of go back and forth the other corner side uh, it's you know good Trey Brown had a great game against Iowa State best of luck to him uh, this quite frankly is not a killer at all for Oklahoma uh, Trey Brown was playing pretty good football at the end but uh, he is a guy that Oklahoma actually has some guys behind him now that can step in and do just fine. Um, it, so, again, best of luck to him. Uh, how much is this going to affect the game? I mean, would it be nice if he was there? Yeah, of course. It's good to have depth. Uh, it's kind of interesting that he's not going to play in this game. I Like, why not? I mean, there's only a 10-day break or whatever. Might as well just play. Uh, but that's up to him. He decided that it's best for him to, to move on. How much do you think this is going to affect Oklahoma in this game, Grant? I, I mean, I, I honestly don't think it's going to have much – but much impact on the game, to be honest. With I you. don't. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a killer. No. Um, I mean, because frankly, Woody Washington and DJ Graham at plenty of times this season have shown to be just as capable of Trey Brown. Um, and honestly, they they both of them probably bring more physical tools to the table than Trey Brown does. Um, just with their length and their size. And I, I don't know. I don't know Washington and Graham. They're not huge, but they are both much longer than Trey Brown, and they are they got two or three inches on them. So. You know, um, yeah, you're right. Trey I, I Brown, Trey, Trey in coverage is actually pretty physical, but I usually that's a bad thing because he grabs, tugs, and pulls. We've gone over all the time. Maybe in a bowl game, though, he and against an SEC team, maybe he would potentially get away with it a little bit more. They wouldn't call it as much. So, in a bizarre, weird way, like his style of play actually might have been helpful in this game. Yeah, I'm, I'm so much keep more, that the, in mind. In terms of defense, the thing I'm most concerned about this game is the linebackers and coverage. That that's that's my biggest concern. I could I could easily see if if Florida is watching tape that maybe that's their ticket is is to attack the linebackers and pass coverage. And I'm talking about with guys out of the backfield, um, running guys over the middle of the field as well. Of course, tra- or uh, Pitts being out makes that a little more difficult for them. Um, but of course, with Florida, anything that they want to do, it's going to come down to how long they can protect Kyle Trask. And if it's you know if, if they're not able to protect him and if he's if OU is, is is bringing him off of his spot like as soon as he gets to his drop back every time, then that's that's really going to screw with what Florida wants to do. I, I mean, p- 
pressure on the quarterback kind of ruins their system. Um, and if OU can do that without having to blitz an extra guy, you're yeah, they're going to win this game. I think that's pretty clear. All right, Grant. Uh, gut feeling this is probably the last time that you get a chance to talk about this game. So I, I know we don't have uh, – you probably don't have your full thoughts yet. Maybe you'll change your mind in a few days. But um, right now, what's your gut telling you about how this game's going to go down? I, I, I want to proceed this by saying that my, my gut was telling me not, not great things about, uh, about the Big 12 championship. So just so take this with a grain of salt. Um, right now, my gut is telling me that OU may, may kind of run and hide from Florida a little bit in this game. Uh, get out in front of them uh, and, and actually be pretty impressive and maybe put in Florida away in this game. And it's not that that's just my gut. It's a feeling. It's it's the it's the momentum that OU is ending on the defensive momentum. Uh, Florida's lost two games in a row. It's absolutely fair to question whether or not they want to be there and whether that they're super interested in even playing this game, especially so soon after the SEC championship game. Football is a very emotional, physical, violent sport. And I it's going to be probably pretty hard for Florida to get up for this game. Uh, whereas I think OU, in terms of motivation, probably has a little more motivation to win this game and also be impressive doing it. Uh, Florida doesn't. Florida does not return the the core of their team next year. This this was kind of a, a playoff or bust year for Florida, and I think Florida is a, 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 they have a good trajectory with Dan Mullen right now, um, but they have a pretty experienced offense, and I, I gotta think just them being pretty competitive with Alabama in the SEC title game and the, just the disappointment of them not going to the playoff, to have to turn around nine days later and play a team that is just a whole lot more physical than probably they're going to expect. Um, I think that's a tall order for Florida. And um, frankly, Florida just... The OU's pass rush is way better than anything that Florida has seen this year. It just is. And... Um, I think that may even that better than be, an Alabama, even yes. better than an Alabama yeah. pass rush. Yeah, or a Georgia um, pass rush. Yeah, I do. And um, that, I mean, I, I haven't watched those teams very closely, so I, I just I don't know. Yeah, I mean that's 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 OU's kind of wild card. I mean that is their trump card on basically everyone this year. They're they're not, they're not as good as those other teams on the second and third level, but I mean they're they're just as good, if not if not better than than everyone in the country in regards to pass rush. I, I just. I find it really hard to believe there's o- OU is, is lucky. I mean, this is, this is not going to be normal. Even if they get to the point where they are dominating teams on the level of Alabama and Clemson, the, the talent that they have on their front right now, what, rushing the passer, this is not going to be a normal thing. I don't think um, this is, this is kind of a special moment for them with the talent that they have there. Um, it, it, I mean, if, if, if you're going to, in terms of like what my head is telling me, I think this is going to be probably a shootout. Um, like what my head is saying, I, I think Florida it, it can can definitely have some success against OU's defense if they're able to if they're able to protect Kyle Trask. I just I kind of have a feeling that OU is going to be able to get after Kyle Trask quite a bit in this game. All right, my uh, my gut right now, by the way, as we record this, Florida still about a three point favorite. So I mean, Florida by three. This is the uh, very similar line to OU Georgia in the Rose Bowl. I think Georgia was like a two and a half point favorite over OU, maybe two, two and a half. So, uh, so they're, they're, I mean, this is a stark contrast to uh, last season when Oklahoma was a double digit dog. They were even, uh, they were a two touchdown dog to Alabama. It's in hindsight, it's pretty insane that Oklahoma was more of a, a dog to, uh, to Alabama than they were to LSU. <laughs> That's like, it's almost like Oklahoma got a little bit more respect last year than they probably should have. Uh, but this is this is a more of a throwback to the 
the Georgia game, which we all know was a, was an incredible game, and, and Oklahoma had all all its chances to win the game. So you know, perhaps maybe this will play out. Uh, not necessarily similar, but maybe this is a game where Oklahoma doesn't get run by multiple scores. Uh, so with that being said, I my gut's telling me Oklahoma's going to win the football game. I don't know how or, or by what score. Just my gut's telling me, and it's simply because uh, I think Oklahoma has a lot more to play for at this point uh, surrounding their program than Florida does. I think the vibe around this team, uh, the way it started so poorly, and then how everything has gone right for them since – since that Iowa State early loss, they they uh, they were adults. They banded together and they realized that yes, we still have something to play for this year if we actually give a crap. And good good on them, good on Lincoln Riley and, and the rest of the team for actually coming together and, and saying yes, let's take this seriously because we can still win a lot of football games and have success. And it's worked out up until this point. Now they're playing a Florida team who, yeah, as you mentioned, I think Florida's going to want to be there. I mean, they're going to want to end the season on, on a high note. So I, I'm not going to question their motivation. I, I think they're still going to want to be there. I think Oklahoma slightly is going to – the motivation favors Oklahoma slightly more than Florida. Guy like Kyle Trask, I mean, this is his first – I guess he was he played last year in a bowl game. But, like, he's, he's not really a guy that's had a whole lot of, like, publicity up until what uh, he – did he – was it last season where he took over for Franks, like in the middle yeah, of the year? Or was it, was, it, it wasn't so, the middle of the year. It was it was really like, early in the season. It was like the second or third game. So I mean, this is his first full year being the starting quarterback. I mean, he's gonna. I mean, he's gonna take this to you know, to heart. He's he wants to play really well. Um, uh, with without Pitts there, that's kind of you know what's the vibe around the team? Like one of their best players left. I, I don't know. I mean. That, and also, that, Mullen that, said that he's pretty sure there's going to be two or three more opt-outs. True, and true. So, and I haven't heard any I more updates think, on that since. Florida, they're probably not on campus yet. They're probably getting back today. They we're recording this on Saturday. They're, and so they the, probably yeah, don't the, know the, what the opt-outs are going to be until the full team is there. And so, yeah, like, I if, believe, yeah, Florida's getting back today on Saturday the 26th. I think Oklahoma's also getting back on the 26th And so, as And well. this, I'm just throwing this out there, the hypothetical. If we find out, like, on Monday or Sunday that Kadarius Toney's not going to play or Trevon Grimes is not going to play, Florida's not going to win this game. They're they're not going to. So yeah, that would be boy, that would be massive if those guys aren't playing. Uh, but Oklahoma, as far as the program goes, the vibe surrounding it right now. I mean, I'm I'm hearing from Dusty. I mean, uh, Dusty's hearing a lot of good things. Uh, he talked about this on the Blitz last Sunday. Um, he's heard that uh, the defensive lineman uh, like Perion Winfrey is is like unless something somebody gets in his head or something like that, he's probably planning on coming back. Like Ronnie Perkins is, is surprisingly to me, like a 50-50 could still possibly come back. I, I mean, said this like, three weeks ago that he should come back. He, he, has, one pass, he has one pass rushing move, and it's, it's, it's the Wyatt Hubert move, and he's just way better at it than Wyatt Hubert is. And I, I, I can't remember offensively which guys he mentioned, but uh, – I know, just for example, I mean, nobody really shed any light on it, but guys like Creed Humphrey. Creed Humphrey didn't even rule out not coming back next year, which he could have left after last year. So, I mean, he, he still could go, but he hasn't ruled it out. Ramondre Stevenson hasn't ruled it out. So my point is is that this whole team, it seems like it's leading up to this. Maybe as a, as a program, they, they really do think next year is the year. And if enough guys are, are believing that and – in their heart of hearts right now without saying it publicly they really are going to come back especially defensively on that defensive line and you know these young players in the secondary and you got guys like Nick Benito uh, and and you know who knows if especially if Ramondre comes back I, I believe there was a report that Kennedy Brooks 
is potentially coming back next season. Which I mean, that's that oh, and, has and, been oh, and, that's been reported by people. So I think we should take that as that's going to happen. So, and I just remembered. Uh, I believe Dusty said on the Blitz last Sunday that he has heard that Jalen Redmond is going to be back next year. Which uh, imagine him getting thrown into the defensive line. Even if a guy like Ronnie Perkins leaves, I mean, if Redmond comes back, which it sounds like he will, that defensive line still could be really, really good. So, but point being is if, if the, the entire program is thinking that way, which we're just we're, we're playing mind reader, but also kind of educated guess based on what we've heard from all these guys and, and their media availability this past week. Uh, Creed Humphrey mentioned that he thinks that they have the talent. This team has a talent next year to win a national championship. Jeremiah Hall agreed. Uh, if that is the mindset, they are definitely going to use this game or they are planning on using this game as a jump start into 2021 and to potentially make up for the embarrassment of the loss to LSU, if that's even possible to make up that, that's definitely going to be got to be in their minds defensively because they give up all those points. So I, that's why I got selling me Oklahoma's going to win this football game. I don't know if they can win by a lot of points. I, I, they haven't shown the ability to beat really good teams by a lot of points in a while, so I'm not going to predict that. But just my gut right now, as of today, without watching a whole lot of Florida tape, I think Oklahoma's going to win the football game. Uh, what does that mean to you out there? Uh, it just basically, if you listen to this podcast a lot, just kind of, yeah, who knows? I depends on how much you trust me, but I, I feel pretty good about it right now. Um, and, and I do kind of like the, the idea. There's not a whole lot of time to prepare and it's all going to be about execution and hopefully Oklahoma can execute. And I like the fact that nobody except for Trey Brown has decided to opt out, which again, I Trey Brown opting out is very weird to me. The game, it's not like the game is three or four weeks from now. I mean, so it, anyway, that's a sidebar thing. It's it's his own decision. He played great in the Big 12 title game. So that's my gut. I think Oklahoma's going to win the football game. Maybe if I do another podcast for you all uh, solo in a couple of days, I'll change my mind. <laughs> but uh, hopefully I don't. Yeah. Anything I, I, else you want to add before we move on? No, I, I think OU is going to win, but I also don't think that the, the result of this game has any bearing on next season whatsoever. Gotcha. For the record, I believe the b- before the Rose Bowl, I think you, I think you might have picked Georgia to win that game, and I picked OU. I picked, yeah, I, my uh, my head, my my analysis was saying OU. Uh, my gut, or no, it was the other way around. My analysis and my head was saying Georgia. My gut was saying OU, and I I ended up going with my head there, and I unfortunately I was right. And uh, the last two years, I remember. I know. I I know. I picked. Uh, I picked Bama, and and I picked LSU. I I think you did too. I think you picked both teams to beat Oklahoma. So I mean, no, this is I picked, different. I, I, mean, I picked OU to beat Bama, but I I oh I put a ton of qualifiers on it though. I I said I'm just I'm I'm just throwing something against the wall here for positivity. Gotcha. So this is the just for the record. This is the first time since the the Rose Bowl where I, I think Oklahoma can win the football game over their SEC opponent in a big bowl game. So take that for what it's worth. Does it mean anything? I think it means a little bit of something. <laughs> uh, let's do some three-word reviews to, to head on out here. And I um, want to thank all of you who leave your three-word reviews. Let's begin on Twitter. And some of you left multiple three-word reviews. I'm just going to go with, with my favorite of uh, whatever you left. So if, if you don't hear one you put down, it's because I, I just picked one of them. Uh, at Ryan Welton, one of my coworkers, Sooners grit abounds. Definitely a gritty win. Uh, my coworker as well, Matt Mahler on the weather. Simple defense wins championships. Haven't been able to say that much with this Oklahoma team, Grant. 
I mean, and it's it's true, and and we talked about it a little bit last week as well. Uh, at Lamont six no low. So remember, this three word review came in after Oklahoma's win over Iowa State. He says Big Twelve playoff bound. He was thinking that maybe Oklahoma would get in. Uh, unfortunately, Lamont, the Sooners obviously did not get into the playoff. But uh, I appreciate the positivity. Did you, uh, Gonzo uh, Strangelove? I mean, I was going to say if they could have if they could have separated from Iowa State and uh, when they should have, they they could have put a lot. It, of pressure it would have given the committee. The committee so- yes, well said, Gonzo Strangelove. I know he left a lot, but I went with uh, offense inept again. And uh, Gonzo has been very critical of the offense. Uh, I, I know I've defended it a little bit more than uh, than him and, and then you, Grant. Uh, I guess I don't I don't know how much the Florida game is going to make either one of us right or wrong or indifferent. I don't know, but. The offense right uh, I, now, relative to the rest of college football, is very good. It is not up to Oklahoma standards right now. Period. Gotcha. Uh, at Shaq Adams, loyal West of Everest listener, I believe uh, uh, I met. This is uh, I remember I met Josh a couple of years ago. That was pretty pretty cool. Uh, this is a good one. Trey Brown, bang. Uh, referencing, I believe um, I'm going to get the guy's name wrong. The NBA announcer is it Mike Breen, who always says bang. I, bang is. I, is Gus Johnson, Lee? Oh, no, I mean, if you're going to do... Oh, does he say bang in college football? Actually, I'm not sure, now that I think about it. I know yeah, Mike Breen for, for NBA telecasts. His, his, his whole thing is oh. for basketball. He yeah, says you, bang! Yeah, I may have been. Yeah. Oh, you're so, right. No, yeah. Knows? Gus Johnson says pure. Never mind. Uh, so, anyways, um, good one there by at Shaq Adams. Uh, by the way, Hype Man Harry, happy belated birthday to you. That was on December 23rd. Thanks for listening to the show. Your three-word review, Madman Campbell, uh, referencing the time when Matt Campbell got very mad at the officials. Uh, we didn't talk about this on we the last We didn't talk podcast. about that at all. I have a problem with people getting super, super upset like that when they're clearly wrong. Yeah, that was uh, a lot of... A lot of stuff, I think, just kind of coming out from Matt Campbell of just him just being very annoyed that he just he can't. <laughs> he's basically he's at Iowa State and not at Oklahoma because like his team is really good. But even though he was in the wrong because like his team, like if a guy goes across the line, move, snap the ball, do something. It's everyone knows that that's how you draw an offsides. He was also uh, he was also he, pissed about the targeting call, which. Uh, I mean, yeah. the more the more and more I watch that, that was a brutal hit. That was absolutely targeting. Like I, I don't. Well, yeah, by like, the letter of the law. Again, like I said in the last podcast, it was. I think it was a. There's always an argument of like, oh, it's it's bang bang, and they're going so fast, it's hard. That was one of them. I think you could make the argument where Drake Stoops was going down. He didn't he have was to always, do that. It was he was going down as he was catching the ball. It, yes, it was a classic. It's a big game. I want to send a message. Be physical and. We, and I, I think I mentioned it last week. It's just 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you could kind of get away with stuff like that. Not as much anymore. And that's an example of it in that game. That's, I mean, like, yeah, that's a, that, that was yeah. a perfect example of the hit, of hits they're trying to remove from the game. That was a really dangerous play. Like, that, that really could have seriously injured Drake. That's, that's why the flag was thrown. Yeah, and I'm all for, I think we talked a little bit about, if we want to amend that rule somehow and make it not so... Uh, yeah, I'm okay with so, amending the rules so that guy doesn't yeah, get no. ejected from the game. Like, I mean, I, I'm fine with that. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I don't know. It's, you got Matt Cam. I mean, he absolutely lost his mind and he should have gotten a flag. It was BS. He didn't get a flag. So at this, 
Sure, but I, I kind of like officials just letting coaches just go. Yeah, but he he, like, he had to be yeah. restrained by his players, and he was pointing at the official and like I mean it was, you know I I mean I I get it, and like I'm also a big proponent of like of sticking up for your players and and stuff like that, but I uh, I don't know it's just like I when at least be at least be sure that you're right, like don't get don't get that upset over a call that that the call exists because his guy easily could have injured Drake Stoops. That's why the call was made, and so like, don't get upset. Well, he wasn't when getting you're... mad about the targeting, though. That's yeah, he was. That was part of it for sure. That was definitely part well, of it. Oh, it was part, but like, he was really mad about them not calling offsides in Oklahoma. I mean, that was that was. An and that, I mean, that, and he's and he's he's more wrong about that one than he was over targeting too. So, yeah, it was just, it was a whole lot of things coming out. He was just he was just letting it all go. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. My, I just don't get so upset at the official when your player almost hurt someone. Just it's silly. Yeah, again, I I really don't. I, I I think most of it was because of the offside stuff. I think there was maybe a little bit of stuff from the targeting. I don't I don't think that's what he was mostly mad about though. I I think it was because yeah, Oklahoma little... jumped way offsides and they didn't they didn't call it. But again, that's on Iowa State's offensive linemen. Move, do something, snap the ball. Like it's not like that's what you're taught. Like especially because Iowa State was not trying to snap the ball there. <laughs> so like. That's part of what they were trying to do. They were trying to draw them off sides. So I think that's why he was. I thought, and I'm, really I'm bummed too, because because you know after all of that, that was that was when Purdy threw the pick in the end zone to Trey Norwood, and after that, I thought OU was going to run and hide and win by forty. Like yeah. I thought it was going to, and it's. it's I definitely actually, texted like, you early in that game saying that it was going to be a blowout, and that and was not um, right. that's that's the thing. If if OU is on a national championship level at that stage of the game that is when they go on a massive run and 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 are leading 38 to nothing or 45 to nothing at some point in time that's like the level that you want OU to get to and they're they're clearly not there yet yeah i agree more on twitter more three word reviews at p23570 speed d snubbed uh referencing obviously the, the big 12 all big 12 teams which we didn't even really talk about last week um Those i, I don't want to get into it right now Whatever. yeah it, it's it, it was it was really dumb. I mean, it was the Big Twelve I, coaches giving Iowa State a season long congratulations for having the best season in school history. That's okay. Yeah, I just I cannot believe that Spencer Rattler was not. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't believe he wasn't the first team quarterback. He wasn't even the second team quarterback. That that is that was the dumbest of all of it. I thought. <laughs> I just, anyways, um, at widget underscore Brian, he says Grinch, please stay. And uh, I, I remember there were some rumors that he was going to maybe interview for the Arizona job. And granted, I didn't go out publicly and say, that's ridiculous. Why would he go to Arizona? I, I don't. Arizona just hired, what, Jed Fish from the NFL. He's like a position coach. Like, I don't know. Why would Alex Grinch even consider going to Arizona? That, that doesn't make any sense. He's, yeah. Alex, Alex Grinch will go to a prestigious Power 5 program for his first coaching yeah. job. It's not going to be a – like, he's – Everyone knows what he's doing at Oklahoma, right? Everyone knows two years ago they were literally one of the ten worst defenses in all of college football. Yeah. So I that I mean, I was never seriously I, I couldn't believe that was even a report, but um good that he's not gonna be going to Arizona and uh, I I mean I he'll be back next year and then, you know, depending on how next year goes, you know, if the defense still takes another step, maybe maybe at that time. Yeah, maybe I told you Alex yeah. Grinch is a guy who leaves Oklahoma for a place like Michigan, not Arizona. By the way, Michigan firing Don Brown, their DC. That was uh, interesting. Uh, all right, a couple more on Twitter. Jared says Purdy arm punts. <laughs> That's pretty good. 
Um, and uh, this last one kind of goes along with Jared's at Jaden Honey. Brock Purdy sucks. I also so think those, Brock Purdy kind of sucks. So I figured you that, like that those, is, Grant. That's actually going to be probably, if he comes back next year, that may be my my most obnoxious opinion that I keep ringing the bell on that. Actually, Brock Purdy sucks. Let's go over to Facebook. Uh, Justin, I know, Justin, you had a lot of three-word reviews on the Facebook page, but uh, I only picked one of them. Uh, I liked Normality in 2020. That was a pretty good one because it just another Big 12 title for Oklahoma. That That's normal. That's what's supposed to happen. So I, I thought that was kind of clever. Uh, Ned on Facebook, I know you had a lot as well. I went with three turnovers, priceless. Turnovers equal victory. We've heard it for the last two years. Oklahoma's finally turning the ball over. They're taking the ball away, and then they're it's it's because the secondary is playing better. Feels like I mean, they've turned the corner, right? It's a little bit. Yeah. yeah, it's like that doesn't feel like it's it doesn't feel like as as much of an impossibility anymore. It does. No, it does it really feel I mean, when, like that. If if they continue I mean, when Pat up, Fields with, is yeah. When Pat Fields is getting an interception, that's a great sign. He's never had one before. Uh, Travis on Facebook, you had a few of them. I went with I went with uh, future is bright. You already talked a little bit about the future, maybe for next year. But yeah, that's I mean, this Oklahoma's in a good spot. Um, they just to reference something you mentioned just a moment ago. You, you want the Sooners to get to that place where they're running away and they're they're toying with teams like we've seen the Alabamas and the Clemsons do against teams they're supposed to do that against. Oklahoma's still not doing that. Yeah, we what we really want to see is we want to see the offense develop that killer instinct to go along with that devastating pass rush that the defense has cuz that's how you're going to separate and blow a lot of teams out. And I and I that's that's the next step. You know, if if they're going to win a national title next year, you you want to see that separation. You want to see them blowing out a majority of the teams in the Big 12. That's just how it is. All right, more from Facebook. Trey, six and counting. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Philip on Facebook says, great start, average. And that's fair. Yeah, Oklahoma, it seems like maybe offensively right now, Riley's really good at scripting, opening drives, and he has a good idea. But for whatever whatever reason, yeah, it's, it's at least in the Iowa State game, you know, the, the offense struggled. Against Baylor, they, they really weren't, firing all cylinders much at all uh, I think the first drive in that game was the good one and then they put together a couple decent drives later in the third and fourth quarter maybe hopefully they can not do that against Florida they're going to need four quarters of, of really good offense uh, James on Facebook pick 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 like that one uh, Michael on Facebook says can finally breathe and finally, uh, I didn't, I'll be honest with you, Chase, uh, Chase on Facebook. I don't remember this. He says weird kickoff. And he said it reminded him of the squib kick. Was there, was there a weird kickoff thing in that game? I, I totally blanked on that. I don't I think remember. they kicked it out of bounds once. Um, yeah. But that, I mean, that was on accident. I thought they were trying to, I, I remember like a, 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 like a tall, like sort of coffin corner attempt. Um, I yeah, I'm not sure if I remember what he's what he's talking about. I mean, when I think kickoffs in that game, and and obviously Chase does too, I just think of uh, Trey Brown's two really big kickoff returns that. And I was I always find it interesting, up. like I you know I was in the Rose Bowl, and it just like the squib kick obviously was like what sucked and whatever, but like in the stadium on the like while I was watching the game, it never occurred to me like that was everything, like the squib kick was everything. You know what I mean? Like it's so. 
it, it's yeah. odd to me that that's kind of turned into sort of like a meme in the fan base because in the stadium that would that just that didn't seem like even one of the top 10 reasons why OU lost the game sure maybe I, I think maybe it, it's looked at kind of as like the beginning of when things started to turn in that game that's probably why it it gets so much play uh, because obviously Florida was or Florida Georgia was able to get some points randomly after Oklahoma had just gotten a huge momentum extending play like trick played it you know before the half and that gave Georgia a little bit of something going into the locker room so I think that's probably no. why oh he lost that game because their defense was bad and in the second half Lincoln Riley got extremely cute that's why they lost the game all right thank you all for the three word reviews that's all I have from Twitter and Facebook today the only other notable Oklahoma news thing that I can think of this week is that Kamar Wheaton and this is not a recruiting podcast but I did mention that I was interested in the Kamar Meaton, Meaton, Kamar Wheaton decision. He's going to go to Alabama, so Oklahoma doesn't get that five-star running back. Okay, uh, I mean they're hopefully they'll get some other running backs. Like, cool, but yeah, yeah I know I mean, you that, that would have been nice. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not too worried about it. Like yet. Um, uh, if if Ramondre doesn't come back next year, they're still kind of in a world of hurt at running back. Even you know, even with Kennedy Brooks, like I see people, I, I see people like kind of on message boards and stuff like that, still referencing Marcus Major, like he is, like he's ever going to be a relevant player, and that he's just not, guys. No, he's not. Like no, referencing Marcus Major as a opinion, death piece is not. Yeah. Is that's he's not he's not good enough to play at OU. Um, well, the uh, the. Just to cut you off real quick, I mean, the, to me, the and you, I think you brought this up before. I mean, the transfer portal goes both ways. I mean, like, who, what running back that is good doesn't want to go to Oklahoma next year? If especially if there's some openings, so yeah, I gotta, I gotta think if like if Ramondre doesn't come back, obviously, you know, running back is, is going to be their number one priority in the in the portal. And yeah, I mean, that, that's an easy pitch. Hey, we're a we're a legit national title contender, and we need we need someone to get a lot of carries. Please, you know, come and help us out. I, I think Jeez. I think OU is going to be very active on the transfer portal, right? You know, in this offseason. it's it is free agency, and and honestly, they they think that they are a national title contender. It it would be it would be unforgivable if they do not hit the transfer portal hard, looking for any help they possibly can to realize that you know that goal. They they need yeah, to be hitting I mean, it we, hard. Well, we know Lincoln Riley definitely hits it hard for offensive players he got Jalen Hurts so he he's he's aware he, he knows it's a thing and by the way I kind of feel bad about this but we've gotten 90 minutes into this podcast uh also TJ Pledger is not going to play uh TJ Pledger's gonna gonna transfer as well uh he he's a guy that he's been valuable this season especially with Ramondre out uh he's not going to play in the bowl game so it's going to be Ramondre and um Seth McGowan sometimes, and maybe uh, maybe a lot of Mikey Henderson. Even though weirdly he hasn't played a whole lot, and well, I guess he wasn't available for the Baylor game, but he didn't play as much as I he, as I thought he would against Iowa State. But uh, just would be remiss if I didn't bring up that yes, uh, T.J. Pledger is not going to be available. So uh, Ramondre is going to uh, he didn't get to play last year in the bowl game. He hope he's nice and fresh and ready to go for this one because he's going to get a lot of snaps. Mordecai also uh, transferring to SMU. Oh yeah, Mordecai. Um, it's not. I mean, this is not. But this is a hot take. I bet. I bet Charleston Rambo joins him at SMU fairly soon. Um, that that's that's just a fan prediction on my on my on my end. Um, and then the one thing that we that that I forgot to mention that I really wish we would have mentioned and kind of uh, unpacked it a little bit on the last pod 
is Chandler Morris randomly scoring a touchdown on the very first drive of the game. And and, yeah. and and clearly the same fashion that what happened in Ohio State and Columbus and the Rose Bowl, Spencer Rattler faking an injury. That yeah, they never showed again. a replay. They they never showed a replay of that. It was I think what was it Todd McShay? Was he the sideline guy? Did he report that that Rattler pretended to be hurt? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, I, and, he, I, and he was saying I'm that annoyed they, they it, never. Yeah, maybe they just didn't have a good say, shot I, of it. Okay, yeah. I was I was just I really wanted to see the shot, but uh, yeah, that was that was pretty pretty random. Um, also, uh, other uh, you know other OU fans that pay attention to detail, Chandler Morris scored on the exact same play that Baker Mayfield scored on in overtime against Tennessee in Knoxville. Exact same play. It's where you do you do the fake, and then the uh, the running back goes and blocks the guy and, and then turns into a lead blocker. And uh, I just thought it was funny. Like, Chandler Morris went to the outside, whereas Baker went to the inside in that game. Uh, but I just thought that was kind of a fun little nugget. Very good. Okay, that's all, uh, that's all I have. I got to get going. Uh, hopefully... Uh, you know what? Like, hopefully you all had a great Christmas and you all enjoy the Cotton Bowl. Uh, I, I will update you all on the West of Evers Facebook page if there's going to be another podcast before the game. Uh, if not, enjoy the Cotton Bowl on Wednesday night and uh, hopefully Oklahoma can end 2020 on a, on a very high note uh, in a game that I'm, I'm really excited to watch. Uh, I know Grant is as well, and I know everyone listening uh, will be pumped up to watch Oklahoma play against a really good, really good Florida team. Uh, until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.